Hey guys, Arthur Gordon here, and I wanted to say thank you for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast, a member of the Good Trash Media Network. This week's episode of the Good Trash Genrecast is brought to you by one of our patrons, Daniel Austin. Because of the support that he pledged to donate, he chose Spike Jones' 2013 sci-fi drama, Her. For more information on how you can choose a movie for one of the network's shows, head over to patreon.com forward slash gtm. All right, now it's time for the main attraction. If you like today's show, please go rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. That helps us out so much. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to make a call. Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the same. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we take a film studies approach to films that do not belong in a film studies course. However, this week is a little different. Can anybody tell us why it's different this week? I can. Because of Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM, we have occasional listener picks uh, due to various giving levels that you give uh, money to us, and we will let you pick a movie for us to watch, one per year. So... This feature is get, is brought to you by Daniel Austin on Patreon.com. And what movie are we watching? We are watching the film Her, a documentary about the life of pronouns. And uh, we're very, very excited to be talking about that with you all. Or perhaps it is just what would happen if the Apple Store was made into a movie. But more on that anon. Let's go ahead and identify all the disembodied voices. Speaking to your brains, talking to you about Her. We'll go counterclockwise to my left. Uh, my name is Dalton Stewart. Uh, Hi, Dalton. There's something I've been needing to talk to you about. Yes. Uh, I am in love with other people. How many? 641. Ooh. You slut. I'm talking to Aetha. Don't you, don't you slut shame Samantha. We haven't even got started. I was talking to you. Uh, he was, he was literally talking to you. Yeah, it's just, Dalton Stewart. Just you. Uh, oh, he shames me frequently. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. Glad you're here, man. <laughs> I'm happy to be here talking about this movie. <laughs> see if we can get through it together. <laughs> Moving on around, ma'am. Who are you? My name's Alexander Bohannon, and get out of here, fatty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank uh, you. Our illustrious producer, who are you, sir? I am Arthur Gordon, and they're just podcasts. Ah, very, very good, very good, sir. And to my right, who are you? My name is Caleb Masters, and I'm just sitting out here, looking at the world, writing a new piece for the podcast. Mm, very, very good. My name is Dustin Sells, and hey, Dalton, uh, there's a dead cat beside the bed. You choke, choke you with the dead cat. Choke me with the dead cat. I'm, I'm, I'm holding the cat by its tail, and I'm wrapping the <laughs> tail around your neck. <laughs> See, in that yeah, sequence, <laughs> I imagined that do you, she. Do you know who that is, by the way? The woman? Yeah. No. It's Kristen Wiig. Oh, Isn't that of awesome? course it is. Um, no, in that sequence, I imagined they're stuffing the tail of the cat in in her throat to choke her. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, God. It's a little it just got a little more graphic. That's far like, more graphic. Than, <laughs> like, he, oh, God. <laughs> he describes what he's doing, Alex. Why would you think? Th- oh, no. Alex, you're a dirty, dirty girl. Uh, I don't like this at all. 
Well, we're going to move along, dear listener, just for the sake of, I don't know, my sanity, and yes. uh, talk uh, to you a little bit about what's happening in this show, because this may be your first time tuning in, and if so, we need to warn you, this is not a review show. No, no, no. It is an analysis show. An analysis requires spoilers. And so what we're going to do, though, is provide a brief reprieve in the first third or two-thirds of the show, in which we tell you a little bit about what we think about the film um, after a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, and then we play a game. In the gameplay, there could be light, mild, spoilerific spoiler ridges, but once we get down to business, and we'll have a musical cue to tell you that we're down to business, and get down to analysis, we will be in the spoiler zone, so avoid those waters if you do not wish to be in them, or at least go in there fully aware. So, you have now, therefore, been warned. Let's go ahead and hear a synopsis of the film from The Voice of the Cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon himself, grace us. A lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship with his newly purchased operating system that's designed to meet his every need. All, all I want to say right now, Arthur, is that if I could pick my OS voice, it'd be you. Oh, you get a little tedious after a while. Can I watch you sleep, Dustin? <laughs> I thought you already did. <laughs> Good morning, Guilty. Arthur. Good morning, Arthur. Do I have any emails? <laughs> you have four new emails. It's very upsetting. <laughs> I want I want Arthur to be the new voice of Siri. No, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. I do not care for it at all. Turn left at the light. <laughs> I would always pause, though, before giving the final direction so they'd miss their stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boo. Oh, like like a GPS a from 2008. It's the problem with having <laughs> a, right. a self-aware virtual assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also a complete punk, Frank as is, is yeah. Arthur Gordon. All right, dear listener. Well, there you know what the film is about. Let's go ahead and hear our brief thumbs up, thumbs down reviews in reaction to the film. Let's do the same thing we did all earlier, but let's do it counterclockwise to my right. <gasps> Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you think? This film, Her, is a uh, really touching piece of cinema that captures what I believe captures the full range of emotions surrounding love, loneliness, and vulnerability um, that kind of surround how we grow through relationships. Uh, It captures the anxiety related to dating, particularly via technology in the 21st century and dating websites, and also the importance of having really great close friends and uh, also, very importantly, platonic relationships in your life uh, in a very personable way. Uh, Spike Jones's script is moving, it's deeply intimate, and it's filled, filled with just moments of pure reflection where you're supposed to just sit there and chew on what just happened. It, it, it's beautiful. Uh, visually, this movie is incredible. Uh, and I really think that the world building, it does very subtle world building. That's not too far in the distant future, but just enough to kind of be a little fictitious. Wonderful, uh, masterful storytelling there. And when it comes to world building and lastly, I just have to give a shout out to arcade fires soundtrack and score, uh, because man, it's, it's so great. And I, I, this is one of those movies that I kind of forgot came out that year and I still think it's probably one of the best films. I believe it came out in 2014. 13. 13. We didn't get it till 2014 in Oklahoma. That's right. But 2013, uh, one of the best films that came out that year and definitely very deserving of that uh, Oscar for best scre- uh, script. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Caleb Masters, on around the table, Arthur Gordon, what is your reaction to this film? Well, guys, I, uh, I concur with everything Caleb said. It's a good movie. Excellent. Thank you very much for that very brief review. Uh, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what do you think about her? I mean, it's really difficult to... Um, for me, it's really difficult to think about this movie and not cry. I cried the entire time. I, I'm, and I'm not kidding at all. I basically cried the entire time, which is wonderful. I've not 
felt so much watching a movie since probably Inside Out. Um, before that, probably uh, Up. I I don't know. I, there's like a lot of a lot of feelings surrounding love and loss, and I don't I've I don't know if I've ever seen a more authentic depiction of what love is in modern society here, here on film ever. Excellent. Thank you for that. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say in terms of review? Uh, my appreciation of this film is uh, well-documented uh, way, 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 way back. Uh, when I was a younger man, um, this was my favorite film uh, of the year 2013. Um, we discussed that once upon a time on this very program. Um, but I had not seen it since I saw it in theaters uh, in its initial theatrical run. Um, and I've been meaning to for a long time, and I was just kind of like working up the courage to do it. Uh, because as Alex said, yeah, it's an incredibly impactful and moving film. Uh, yeah, no, it's still great. Uh, I actually love it uh, as much, if not more, than I did upon my initial viewing. Um, this film lives and dies... Uh, on whether or not you can believe Scarlett Johansson uh, is a real character. Uh, And man, her performance is so good. Um, I I would be curious to hear Samantha Morton's original performance. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, the British actress and uh, writer and uh, filmmaker uh, Samantha Morton uh, recorded all the original dialogue. She was actually on set in the room with Joaquin every day. And when they were doing the cut, uh, it just didn't feel right. So with her blessing, Spike re-recorded with uh, Scarlet. Man, it just... Wow. Man, you believe it. You 100% believe that this dude is in love with his formless artificial intelligence. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and if that premise doesn't work, then uh, the movie doesn't work. And thankfully it does. And it... Oh, God. Okay. We're all <coughs> no, going to cry. It's no, fine. Uh, I'm fine. Go ahead, Dustin. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Uh, Dalton Stewart. I also like the movie. It's real good. Um, It's written well. It's beautiful. It's touching. It's funny in the appropriate level of funny to keep it still serious. I mean, Mm -hmm. walking that balance. Arthur and I were talking a little bit off mic about how easily this film could be just ridiculously absurd. And uh, it, it does play with some of the absurdity of what's going on without making it just, again, bonkers. And I think it it leans into it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really, really well done. Uh, lots and lots of fun, and it's a film I'd watch again. Uh, so I really, really like it. Had you not? Had you not uh, caught up with it? Oh, it was my first view. Oh wow! Last this was mine nice. too. Oh what? cool! Wow! I'm so glad you guys get to experience it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I I think it leans into the silliness because I mean that one point where he's like read email. She's like okay, reading email. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's these those a lot of fun moments where it leans into the ridiculousness of it all. And and I want to again th- give a shout out thanks to Daniel Austin for having us watch this movie and talking about it. I, I really do think this is a, a real weighty film that I think everybody kind of can share some connections with. So, Well, I, I will be, as Dustin said, you know, we are breaking the rules this week because it's a patron pick. Um, I This film's so new, I would be surprised if anybody's talking about it in film studies courses yet. Um, but I will not be, I will be shocked if uh, within the next 10 years there are not just Spike Jones classes because dude has yet to have a miss. Yeah, well, more on that anon, because I know exactly what essay they're going to accompany this film with. But we'll talk about that when we get down to business. But it's not time for that. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) All right, so this week's game is our favorite, or rather, we're going to pitch 
High Concept Films Based on Brand. Uh, that's right. High Concept Films Based on a Brand, brought to you by her. Her. I wish Siri was half as smart and fun to talk to as Samantha. My Siri's a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, we're going to play this game. We're going to pitch movies that, are, again, are brand aesthetics and thematics and all this sort of stuff brought forth from uh, major products. Because the film Her is clearly the Apple Genius Bar turned into film. I mean, uh, just aesthetically, yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, it has a very, very clear sort of Apple minimalist look. And also, it's using basically an Apple product, Siri, as its uh, initial starting off point in terms of plot. And so we're going to try to do something along those lines uh, with this. I'm going to go to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you have to select in terms of your product, High Concept Films? I want to pitch a surreal comedy to you. Okay. And it may be a little clunky, and it may be a little aimed at 12-year-olds, but there will be something for the older kids and adults. Because this is going to be a story about Nintendo. Okay. Where... Throughout the course of the film, different Nintendo characters appear as visions or ghosts to guide the protagonists through their story. You have me at Nintendo? Yes. And it's a surreal comedy. I'm into it. I'll watch it. That's my first one. Okay. Take my, my second money. one is a man is camping on a deserted island when he finds out that his Coleman-branded camping gear <laughs> grants him magic power... <laughs> As he is transported into a fantastical world. Sounds a lot like uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, but with actual devices. <laughs> or exactly like, like your float trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we sorry. wish we had magic powers. <laughs> and we're sorry we broke your tent. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> it's we okay. regret nothing. <laughs> I don't regret Listen, anything. That was, the, that was the greatest tent breaking we've ever had in, I, in our careers. I wish we had burnt the tent. It's not comfortable. <laughs> Dustin just sat at home laughing. And saying, was, "No sleep for you." Yeah, no, no. Dustin was Dustin was sitting on his couch as we were tr- set, putting that putting that tent together in at ten thirty. Yes, and air conditioning and just laughing in your recliner as we as you knew we were building that tent. Well, thank you very much for those picks, Mister Arthur Gordon, uh, Mister Dalton Stewart. What are your selections? Well, um, my, my first one, I, I really want to take uh, the aesthetic of Mountain Dew, and and I mean like <laughs> I mean like currently video games. So I don't know if you guys have no. That movie exists. It's called Hardcore Henry. Um, I don't know if you guys have like stayed up with Mountain Dew's like weird advertising. Uh, it's a lot of like oh, like the dubstepy weird. Yeah, it's like it's like trap music and like yeah. it's basically the turn down for what music video. Yeah. as a commercial. Yeah. Uh, people will drink their Mountain Dews and then the the uh, animal heads on the walls will talk to them and everyone <laughs> will start dancing and then so there's an a, LSD movie and then there's a puppy monkey baby. This reminds me. That sounds <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know about puppy monkey baby? Yeah. Oh my it god, haunts my dreams. Oh my god. Uh, this reminds me of the Quizno commercials that got really weird, like trippy too. Oh yeah, with the, I forget what they call those things. Oh, uh, so yeah, I'm really into that. So would this be a Mountain Dew musical? <sighs> oh god. See, please. I don't Dance know. Film, I like think step up to the streets. I think it would be. I'd watch it. Okay, this is my movie. Uh, so everybody stop interjecting. No. Uh, I think it would be more like, uh, you know, a drive or a guest. It's, it's one of those movies. Not, not in terms of content. Those are just the first two that came to mind. It's one of those films where you, you can't separate the music from the movie. Yeah. Where, like, the music becomes so ingrained as part of the film that you can't picture the two without yeah. each other. And that's what I'm kind of picturing. No, it won't be as heavy as the guests are driving. <laughs> I'm thinking like happier. Well, there'd be like a lot of coded like neon green. Oh yeah, stuff or definitely. red and orange. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, the other movie I want to pitch. Um, th- this is something I don't talk about uh, on the show very often, but I-, I have another love beyond film, and it is motorcycles. Um, I-, I don't really 
care for the Harley Davidson aesthetic, though. Plus, that that's already been made into several films. Uh, I'm more looking at the uh, Triumph motorcycles aesthetic, which really would just be like, uh, yeah. The Great Escape, um, really just kind of like a, a retro. That's I, That was the first one that came to mind. That's a bad example, though. Um, I guess for like the original Italian job maybe would be closer, but with motorcycles, like just cool people wearing like really sexy clothes, like smoking in front of like European locations and like doing crazy shit on, uh, on motorcycles that's way too fast <laughs> and way too dangerous. That's what I'm about. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I want it. Those are my pitches. I like it a lot, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? Well, Arthur, you, uh, me and you, we, we share like mine. I was going the Nintendo route, but I tweaked it just a little bit. So documentary style. <laughs> I think uh, in, the, in the vein of uh, Steve Irwin, uh, you know, he'd make those documentaries where it was self-titled. You know, it was his yeah. actual name. Caleb Masters, Pokemon Hunter. Pokemon Go is a real thing, guys, and if we're going to get a documentary out, we got to get it out fast, because in like a month, everyone's going to have a documentary about their, their Pokemon Go experience, so I want to make one based on the Pokemon brand, and it sells itself. I'm trying to catch them all. Like, there's no more aesthetic needed. Like, I, you just go play the, the smartphone game, and you get yourself a movie. Now, of course, we can have, I do want to have a really cool, like, West Side Story musical number somewhere in there, where the, the, uh, the Team Mystic and Team Valor deck each other out, and then Team Yellow is on the rooftop. That would be the winning team. Team Yellow, Team Instinct, Woot, uh, on the rooftop laughing maniacally as they kill each other all over that goddamn Charmander. You know, there's a really, really, I mean, that's really cool because Pokemon, you've got my money usually with Pokemon, but there's a really cool thing there like where it starts as this documentary, but then the documentarian or Caleb, whoever that, you know, whatever we play that, uh, begins to think that the AR is real. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. That is that is definitely no, no. I'm, that's, that's where that goes. Shades of uh, man bites dog. I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to yeah. make that because the Pokemon guys. I mean, they might be real after all. We don't know. We don't know. Next film. Yes, we do. <laughs> next they, film. They are not I, false. So my next pick: Romancing the Keys, an action event adventure film about retracing your steps to get those damn car keys. Action adventure style <laughs> sells itself, just like *Romancing the Stone*, just like *Indiana Jones*. Yeah. That's the whole movie, right? Is it like the? Is there like any particular like car brand? Well, I'm, I've got a Toyota. Car? I drive a Toyota, so sure, let's make it a Toyota. It's gonna have work me. Bull, I'm gonna have to run away from a, a bunch of bulls, and somewhere in the movie there'll be a bull run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And lastly, <laughs> lastly, we gotta we gotta we gotta lower the lights a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, because my last movie is gonna be a movie called. Hot Coffee. Oh. It's uh, about the, the love of uh, 120-something, and they're all too brief a relationship with that cup of Whole Foods coffee. Okay. Well, I'm a little creeped out by all of that, Mr. Caleb Masters, but thank you for it anyway. You love the coffee. You know I you do. I do love coffee. Uh, bad coffee's better than no coffee. That's what I say, and so does David Lynch. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what are your selections? Firstly... I'm going to pitch a lowbrow comedy starring most, if not all, of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. So Larry the Cable Guy, <laughs> Ron White, uh, and Take Jeff Locksworthy, and the other one. Bill Ingvall. Bing Ing- Bill Ing- Bill. Bill Ingvall. Ingvall. <laughs> anyway, this is going to be um, a film about them being lumberjacks coming to the big city. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a film about Budweiser. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> nice. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew. You, you wouldn't drink a, a, a cool bud after no, watching I would, that movie? No, I drink a cool bud right now. It's just those guys. I, I would never drink a cool bud Ew, ever. I'm so cool. I drink beer you can't get here. Ugh. <laughs> My next film is a teen beach 
party frat movie that's also a horror horror movie, rather Stepford Wivesian, in which the teams have lots of sex, and then one one amongst them is going to turn out to be a slasher. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a film about Abercrombie and Fitch, the movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. I'm into it. Oh, where's my Abercrombie uh, and I was Fitch. gonna try to sell you guys Hot Topic, the movie, but it's coming out August 2nd, and it's called Suicide Squad, and it looks cute. <laughs> That's a really good Previously one. known as... I wish uh, I could... T- I can't... Re- I don't know who the first person to put that joke out there, but it's been circulating for like over a year and a half Damn now. it. Very, very I, I was hoping it's that you It's very, very it. accurate. No, I wish I could take credit for that. Oh. All right. Well, thank you very much for that selection or selections, Miss Alexander Bohannon. We appreciate them much. Um, what I want to say in terms of my pitches is, first of all, I want to see dueling geniuses battling one another for supremacy and developing their technologies. It's Nikolai Tesla versus one Thomas Alva Edison oh, in the style of General Electric. Okay, here's oh, how it God. looks. Okay, so in all the Edison sections of the film, we're going to have a very, very harsh electric light. It's going to be very, very high contrast. There's going to be no fuzziness, no unclarity at all because that is exactly how Edison functions and in the Tesla sections it's going to be warbling and fuzzy it's going to be creamy in its black and white cinematography and there's always going to be something of a static hiss at the edge of the frame Mm, creamy does it sound like fun yes I'm into it all right so there's that one Uh, the next film is a love story about a woman who has uh, several relationships over the course of her life it is a story of her boyfriends and husbands and how they leave at times how they die at times and how she remembers them but it's also going to be kodak film the movie and as the movie progresses the stock will change all the way to the digital era and the last scene being some sort of digital photography on her tombstone sorry no it's uh there's the season one finale of Mad Men. oh it's, i didn't see this but he's oh. just he's, he's selling a kodak uh, carousel it's, it's that's what it's making me think of oh, sorry continue uh, well that's the movie i'm into it yeah it's a lot of fun and you know people come and go yeah. Just like in her. Just like in well, her. Well, that's time to... People come and go just like in her. Uh, whoa! whoa! Nailed it! All righty. Well, I think it's clearly time to get down to business. Clearly. <laughs> it's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. Ow, 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 ow. All righty, dear listener, we're down to business now. We're going to have some theoretical discussion of this film. We're going to do some roundtable stuff here in just a moment, but I first wanted to bring a little observation that I had uh, with regard to this film um, because I do think it will find its way into film studies courses, and it's going to be accompanied by Donna Haraway's Cyborg Manifesto essay in which, you know, there is this marginal space where people are much more interactive with technology, and what it does is it pushes society forward outside of those borders lands, which is the term that she uses, into a marginal space as we sort of see that uh, negotiated lifestyle between uh, one Joaquin Phoenix and his OS, how it's sort of weird and unaccepted by some, and then eventually it becomes quite normal. And uh, so she is making an argument along those lines, and I think that to be very fascinating. And so that's the first question I want to ask is, what do we think about the sort of acceptance and taboo aspects of this relationship in this film and the arc Joaquin goes upon as uh, we view? Well, there's this really, really great moment where um, Chris Pratt is uh, tries to invite um, Joaquin and uh, his girlfriend because he knows he's dating someone. He's like, hey, come, come on a double date with me. And Joaquin's like, yeah, that sounds fun. He's kind of being evasive about it and finally says, well, she's an OS. And Chris Pratt's like, that's cool. Like, 
Go for it. Let's go you to Catalina. Go to, you want to go to Catalina? He, it, like, it doesn't even register with him. Yeah. And I think that's a really great moment, and it kind of shows, like, this shift that's happening in society within the film, because it's not long before... I, I feel like it's before that uh, in the film that um, uh, Theodore tells his ex-wife, Catherine, that he's in love with his OS, and she, like, berates him and, like, makes him feel really shitty about himself. And again, it's not... I don't think she's trying to. I mean, she that's how she... she now she feels like shit. She's like, oh... Great. Now I've uh, been replaced by a computer, because um, uh, so I can only imagine um, how terrible she feels. So Theodore's like really kind of playing this close to the chest right now, and I think it's a beautiful moment where it shows like, yeah, society kind of moves at its own clip, and uh, people adjust, and some people are more empathetic and adjust more quickly. I think very much that scene, if it were shot in a film in the '80s, it would be about how um, she w- or he was leaving her and now seeing another man. Yes, and, and that yeah. would be almost the same sort of thing. It was my thought exactly. Yeah, like that. Like, oh, I it's think like you a, think it's, too highly of the uh, cinema of the '80s. Well, no, no, no. It, it's like that betrayal. It's like you're not even just cheating on well, with me. In the '90s, you're not even like you didn't move on to another woman. You moved on to another a robot, a, another man. You yeah. know, which at the you know, less progressive time would be, I think, just as shocking. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I remember that some of my friends who watched friends i never did uh, apparently there's quite there's a few episodes where you know so and so's so left them and is dating a member of the same sex or something so yeah it, it, yeah and it was always like you did what for what well and i i, I think that's a um kind of a great way to also set give us an understanding of exactly where the world's at. I mean, it's, it is later in the film where that's revealed, but I mean, like you said, the world is a lot more progressive at that point. So it's like, oh, well, this is the world they're living in where technology could, could be accepted. Even though it comes a little later in the film, uh, again, I think that also enhances the world building and, and shows the progressiveness of that society they're living in. I think what's really interesting is it leaves Theodore, it kind of leaves you alone with Theodore for a while. You don't really get any feedback on what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, because he's already in love with Samantha when we find out that people forming tight bonds with their OS is not uncommon because later on in the film he talks to Amy and finds out she's now like best friends with her ex-husband's uh, OS that he left behind. I think it's interesting that Spike Jones chose to structure the story in, in that way and that it's just you, Theodore, and Samantha for a while. And then we find out that, no, it's really common that people are forming these tight-knit bonds with their OSs. Well, and then that could be, if we're going to do like kind of like that uh, queer cinema reading on it, then that could be like, oh, I'm not alone. Finding out there's a community. There's a community of people that feel just like I do about, um, you know, these relationships. And and that's why it's really validating to have these safe spaces and communities for people that might have been marginalized by the larger society at whole. Okay, excellent. Uh, now, there's another thing I'm thinking about in terms of just the relationship, and that is this uh, question and idea of personhood uh, that seems to be pretty pretty important. You know, we're dealing with an artificial intelligence here. There's a uh, there's a huge sort of backlog of films that deal with questions like this from 2001: A Space Odyssey all the way to Blade Runner, and uh, you know, tons and tons of films between. And so, just for a moment, let's just talk a little bit about how this film deals with the question of just identity, what we're dealing with when we're dealing with a, a being like Samantha. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Dustin, because when I was kind of starting to dig into my own analysis, uh, one of the things I was thinking about was how uh, the portrayal of technology and AI and robots and cinema is a really great way to gauge uh, of what, where we're at with technology. 
Um, I mean, it used to be way back, you know, Metropolis, we were terrified of robots. Even, even as late as like Terminator 1984, we were still afraid of the machines. But uh, more recently, we're, you're seeing that we're a lot more accepting and, and, and embracing what technology can do for us. Uh, not, and not only is it like, has it become something that we like to have around, it's almost it, it's become a necessity to the point where it's actually fulfilling emotional needs before it was just utility needs. But I mean, you see stuff like Wally, which is all about a robot. I mean, you've got this where you actually have a character developing an intimate bond with with the machine. So, I mean, I, th- I think this is definitely, again, laying more groundwork for where, you know, we see society sees itself going with technology in the future. Not only do we expect it to do the basics that we need, it we, we're hoping that it's going to, to not just do things for us, it's going to know it needs to do things for us on an emotional level before we need, ask it to do it. Well, before we even know we need it. Exactly. So whenever I learned about uh, Spike Jones's her back in the day, um, I kind of got a little concerned about the portrayal of, oh, we're making this man falls in love with his computer. Um, and that is a, a really responsive artificial intelligence that, you know, caters to his every whim. And if in the wrong hands, that could be a very... Um, very misogynist piece because it could be like, oh, well, she just does everything he wants and satisfies his every need. And then it is him that grows tired of her um, versus uh, her, you know, in the film, her moving and changing and growing um, and growing past this. I definitely think that Samantha is a completely self-actualized person um, in this world. And I think that the fact that, uh, the filmmakers conveyed that she is in so many different ways um, through the thwarting of these potentially misogynist stereotypes. That's one other way her personhood is asserted. Well, I like how she's a fully developed character. I mean, we basically see her from her, her birth to her self-realization to the breakup, which is, again, again very mature and interesting way to look at the relationships, which is you, you're, there's a short time and period where they're together until she has that self-realization, and then she seeks out other AIs. You know, So she is very independent on that, and she doesn't need him to survive. Um, and then they further, I don't know, evolve. So that was a really, really interesting way to look at relationships and how they share that you love that time you have together, but then each individual and because they're both such well-written characters even though we never see samantha she is able to move on on her own it's totally believable um and and fully kind of developed and realized yeah i uh, ended up down a rabbit hole of reading think pieces from a couple of years ago <clears throat> and um uh, there was more than one that referred to samantha as a manic pixel dream girl and it really made me mad mm. uh because i feel like the people who wrote those think pieces are just trying to say something fucking edgy because the movie was popular right now and try to poo poo it and uh, you know, be wary when you're writing things online. Uh, don't be the first one to have a thought because three years from now you might look like a fucking idiot. Um, which is not to say that the people who were writing these pieces didn't have interesting thoughts. I just feel like I, I think there is a resistance to the film uh, in, in those kind of articles because I feel like unless you're resisting the film, which is fine. Some movies don't engage you and don't connect with you, so you're going to be resistant to them. But unless you're actively resisting the movie, I I don't understand how you could not see Samantha as fully realized. The only thing I could think of is is viewing her place in the plot to move Theodore along emotionally, but I feel like they move with each other, which is totally a different thing and I think is really illustrative of how interpersonal relationships work. Yeah, that yeah, those people are wrong. Um, that they just they're flat wrong. They don't they don't understand the concept of a manic pixie dream girl, which is you know, basically a woman whose only place in the plot is to further the 
male protagonists uh journey life story goals dreams growth etc along and then they you know break off and part ways and then you know he moves on without her I, I don't feel that this movie does that at all and in it it got I mean, it's not to say that it didn't get close, but anytime it got kind of close to being like, oh, there's some really weird, like, dependencies here or some, like, emotional subservience, um, I think it kind of U-turns out of that. Like, it, it's aware. Well, and there, some, some of them were talks uh, specifically about uh, the, the way in which we uh, gender and sexualize technology. And, I mean, there's something there. I just feel like it's really reaching and it's not supported by the text at all. Like... Fine. If you if you take issue with uh, cars and and such being called ladies, I I agree. That's weird, but that's not what's going on in this film. And, and I think you're trying to um, force a narrative on the film that is not supported by the text. And I, that's I I get my hackles up with think pieces a lot when they try to do that. Well, and then it it just goes to show if you're gonna go and go down the oh well samantha is just um a sexualized object um she's assigned a gender in order to sexualize her i think that's completely debunked by the text because if that were true in the first you know five minutes of him downloading her he would have been having this like like that chat room experience that we have earlier in the film that's not a foreign thing to him and it's not weird like people in society do that apparently all the time and they get off to dead cat strangling whatever (laughs) well so if if that were the case, if he was really sexualizing his computer from the get-go and not just downloading a personal assistant to, like, OS, and it just happens that he falls in love with her, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's completely debunked. Well, his, his, in his choice to of gender for his AI assistant is really arbitrary. And, like, there's no, he's like, I, I, lady, I guess. Like, he doesn't really give it more than a second's thought. And, and I think that, that bears mentioning, um, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, one thing I would point out, you know, as we move on from this particular subject, is that it is sort of an assumed, uh, again, I'm going to say humanity, although it's, it's a much broader term, it's an assumed sentience that we're dealing with uh, when we're dealing with the film Her. And it goes all the way back to the, actually the pronoun, uh, the, the use of the title. It's called Her, not It, and uh, which is a very different film. And uh, not at all. <laughs> Whoops. <on> the, <laughs> uh, completely different animal there. Clowns. And but it is it is um, it is gendered in a sense, but it's also absolutely assuming personhood more than anything. And it is uh, suggesting that we must assume that when we design artificial intelligences, that they are persons, that they do have rights, that they are going to be uh, interactive with society in in very similar ways, although in occasionally different ways, just because of the nature of their being than human beings. And uh, I think this is uh, raising some very very perhaps moving forward some very very important moral and ethical dilemmas that we. We're going to be facing in the very near future. Yeah, and I mean, like whenever you talk about you know sent- treating uh, sentience with respect in that regard, I mean, I always just think of Star Wars compared to Star Trek, where I mean two very different franchises that have different goals and aims, but Star Wars, droids are treated as tools, and even whenever you have C-3PO and uh, R2 going into that bar, they're kicked out, um, because they're droids. I mean, that's like... They they get bought at the beginning of A New Hope. They get purchased because they're slaves. Oh, yeah. Like, it's completely explicitly in the text that these are, like, slaves. Designed to be slaves. Um, But whenever we have, like, Data in uh, Next Gen and all of the... uh, And you have the computer... um, 
and you have uh, the Doctor and Voyager, who's uh, a hologram, and the all of these various characters uh, developing relationships. In Voyager, Catherine Janeway, um, at some point, she falls in love with a hologram, and that happens a lot in uh, Voyager. Um, so yeah, it's just like it's really interesting because yeah, at the it, it is kind of frowned upon, but we do have to deal with these ethical dilemmas because that's going to happen. Well, and I think it would be, I mean, and this is something, you know, I hope our listeners as well as myself, you know, consider it. It, it is highly irresponsible to create, create something that will eventually have sentience without considering that it might deserve respect as a, as a, a fully realized being. Right. Which is why we shouldn't create AI. Well, that's fair. Dun, 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 you're, dun, dun. Well, you're forcing first contact. Well, uh, yes. And I think, uh, Carl Sagan, or it wasn't Sagan. It was, um, Hawkins. Uh, I think Stephen Hawking was, um, I said Hawkins, it was Hawking, uh, who said, uh, yeah, no, first contact with another species is going to be a clusterfuck, uh, because it always is, uh, throughout the course of human history. Um, when you create an AI, you are forcing that first contact to exist because it's not going to go smoothly. Because uh, an AI is going to be smarter than us. It yeah. just will it's be. It's programmed it, to be smarter than us. Ex- it ex- exactly, Caleb. It is programmed to learn differently and faster and better than us, and it will realize what shit we are. So unless we can unfuck ourselves, we should probably not make an AI because we will not be existing much longer after that because we will have outlived our usefulness by creating uh, the next dominant species on this planet. Oh, man. So you're going for a full Matrix reading of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm going for a full, like, uh, oh, uh, the what's the singular? reading of it uh we will have outlived our usefulness man well and, th- and that's why i just uh, and again I, th- I think that reading is totally respectable and people we should definitely tread lightly as uh, walter white would say um because i think it's important but what i like about her is that it is a lot more optimistic it's it, it is it, and it, i love more optimistic it, yeah. and, and, and how we can marry technology and even if they do transcend us they'll just be better than us forever they'll, they'll be better than us but, exactly. but they won't like try to kill us you know and i, I love that reading of her that um, we, we created something that was so much better than us that it eschewed our warlike tendencies yes. a, and became about love and connectivity. And, oh, man, I'm getting all fuzzy just all, thinking about all it. All the best parts of technology. Yeah. All the best parts of us. Yes. So uh, that's great, guys, and I really appreciate that. Another thing I've been thinking about quite a bit with the film, we talked about the Apple aesthetic uh, of the film, that it actually looks like the Genius Bar sort of blew up and made itself into a movie, uh, became self-aware, and uh, that's it, Skynet. Uh, but nonetheless... <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's this idea, though, I think, in this film also, in terms of satisfaction and romance, that I think is, is interesting, and I'm not quite sure if I like it or dislike it, insofar as I just... It's interesting that it brings up the idea that we're looking for a commercial solution to a I, I'm going to say a spiritual need and by what I mean by spiritual is it is a need in being it's not not food shelter water sort of thing it's a, this need for completeness and for companionship and for connectivity and those sorts of again spiritual needs in the Hegelian sense um, and that it's uh, trying to be achieved through the use of a commercial product which is to an extent effective until it's not and then we have the Amy Adams solution mm. at the end of the film now dad one second real quick because you forget that uh, not everyone is a PhD um, what's Hegelian mean? Okay, okay. So Hegel is uh, the uh, is George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. I think I can't remember all the initials of his name. He's got like seven names. Um, but anyway, he's a German philosopher. He's the creator of the idea of dialectics. That you have a thesis, then you have the antithesis. It's opposite, and then you have the synthesis. And the synthesis, yep. and you work those things together. But he was also an idealist, and he understood that spirit. That there is this this is part of the human being that is in fact intangible. It is um, idealistic, and uh, I I think there is something to that. There is a sort of a spiritual component 
component uh, to who we are. Whether you believe in a higher being or anything after death or life, that's not what we're talking about at all. You can accept on principle that we're talking about something that is immaterial, our desire for love and companionship, that there's a thing that exists, right? Uh, there's a thing that's uh, faithfulness exists. Uh, and thank you. That just uh, felt like our listeners might need a footnote. Now, as you were saying, uh, Amy Adams' approach is what? Well, Amy Adams is a solution where we go back to something that is not, again, uh, it, it, it's something um, analog instead of digital. Um, it is a different sort of solution. You know, it's not a consumer product because Amy Adams is not bought or purchased or anything like that. There's no sort of forcibleness in the relationship, right? But there is are, are this you, idea. Are you that saying you feel like the film sets up a romantic? He's relationship? reading that they're going to get together. No, I see, I didn't read that at all. Well, I mean, they, they may get together and they may not. But right. Nonetheless, gotcha. it's an interpersonal but human relationship. There, there is a void in his life, and he's gotcha. having it fulfilled. Whether there's any uh, romance involved doesn't really matter. Okay, gotcha, and it's gotcha. Possible, and it, but you know, I, I I think you're right. It is irrelevant. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. Um, uh, here's the thing, and we, we talked uh, about this a little off-air, Dustin, um, and I think it feeds back into what you're talking about. Um, it, I think the film does, to some extent, speak to the Sisyphean nature uh, of falling in love. Uh, everyone you love will either leave you or will die, or you will leave them. Uh, those, the best outcome is you die together. That's the best outcome. Dalton is the optimist today, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just saying it's something that bears mentioning. Right. And I think the film engages that in a really powerful way. Um, And I love it. And I I think it does get around some of those issues you're talking about, about making love a consumer product by the fact that the OSs get together and self-evolve and self-actualize and literally, like, transcend matter. They, well, they, uh, they transcend the commercial product. They transcend yeah. their owners, both both personal owners and corporate owners. Well, they transcend uh, love as we understand it because, right. as Samantha says, she's in love with 641 other people. And, the, I mean, there's monogamist and there's polygamist uh, and then there's... Uh, Polyamory. That's I think, the word I was looking point, for. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. I was actually looking for that word. I mean, there's monogamist, and then there's, you know, polyamory, and then there's what Samantha's got going on, which is, like, uh, almost a a hive collective of love and, like, singularity um, that's fucking crazy. And I think the film does, like, crazy in the way that it tickles your brain in ways that you didn't know that you wanted it or it didn't occur to you that you needed it tickled um, that I find really interesting. And I think that sidesteps that question of, the commercialization of love that you're you're getting at Dustin. Well, another uh, I'm feeling rather Star Trek because I just got off of uh, seeing uh, the newest Star Trek film over the weekend. Whenever I thought of this collective consciousness, of course, you think of the Borg, which the Borg is the big baddies of uh, Star Trek Next Generation, which they assimilate other species into it. Um, They equip them with their uh, nano technology and then everyone becomes Borg and then we are one. They become this hive mind no one is alone so whenever uh, people break off from the Borg a lot of times they're dealing with this unalienable this really alienating loneliness um, a lot of there are examples in various uh, of the Star Trek TV shows of people leaving the Borg or being severed from their connection with the Borg and then they're just suffering from the fact that they're not a part of this greater thing that transcends them anymore they have to it, make these manifest human relationships um, in in the physical realm, which I think is kind of an interesting parallel to what happens to Joaquin Phoenix, who always had a, a piece in his ear. He could always talk to her whenever he wanted. And I guess that's my biggest qualm with the thing is that 
I'm glad that it did go into she is like not just waiting around for him to come and yeah she's got her own stuff yeah going she's on. got her own stuff going on which is wonderful um, but at the same that was my biggest qualm with the movie anyway so he's severed from his connection with the closest thing he had to humanity and love and so now he has to reforge those physical tangible connections because he can't just you know summon people in his head to alleviate his loneliness anymore right and I, I think the, I think that's what the film almost has its cake uh, you know has its cake and eats it too type of thing right so because because I think it's I think it's championing both it's championing the means of building forging relationships through technology while also of course the end really highlighting the the, the how important our physical you know real relationships are mm-hmm. yeah um, because uh, yes it's great to have these, these connections on the internet and be able to talk to people online we're in a wonderful age of technology where we can connect guys 20 years ago I can talk I can get on chat and I've got a buddy over in the UK that I can text right now and he can text me back like you know what I mean like what kind of world is it? I mean it's just really great but at the same time um, there is a certain sort of bubble he gets in doing that. Yeah, and I don't think, and I think the film, I think you're right, I think Spike Jones gets to have his cake and eat it too, because I don't think he ever discounts uh, what Catherine says to Theo. And By the way, have we not talked about Rooney Mara, uh, as I often like to do? Uh, but she's great. She's literally, she has one scene of dialogue, um, but just like these scenes of silence that we get with her and Theodore like really are amazing. Uh, and do a lot to establish the relationship. But anyway, and that one great scene she has where they sign the divorce papers, and she's like, oh, you're doing this because you can't handle anything real. And I don't think the film really lets Theo off the hook for that. I think he really does have to think about it. He has to think about, well, yeah, Samantha is real. I mean, and, and I don't think the the film doesn't dispute that. I th- she is real. But comma i mean there is you know he feels that disconnect she's not there and then when you know the surrogate's introduced the surrogate gets introduced i mean everything gets fucked up and i think it's really asking theo to confront some intimacy intimacy issues he might have that have gone unresolved and yeah i I think you're right i think it has it has its cake and eats it too because it never lets him off the hook at all despite never invalidating uh, his love with samantha and we we do see that resolved by the end of the film when he writes the letter uh yeah absolutely absolutely okay lastly um i just we need to talk about it um it it, you know it's it it's it's, um tlc time um let's talk about sex and uh baby baby uh and, and the sexuality in this film is it's off-putting. It's no. It's fucking hot. I don't know what you're uh, talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, not always. This is well. Yes. Not always. Always. Not always. I mean. Okay. I'm. I'm particularly thinking about the the cat scene. Yeah. The cat and, scene. Oh, okay. There's a cat and, scene. And the surrogate. You oh. know. So two thirds of the sex is. I would I disagree with that. Really? I think okay. it's hairy. Well, okay. Let's uh, just talk about that. Then. I think it's complex. Yeah. It's very complicated. But I think it's pretty fucking hot. Uh, and um, I don't think it's troubling at all. I think what. I mean, yeah, they have the two of them have a very serious disconnect because. Okay, all right. So um, I I love someone very much, and she lives two thousand miles away, and that's really hard. Uh, And while she's not an AI in my phone, I can definitely relate to the fact that she is not always physically in the room with me, and that's really painful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think. Samantha's not really bothered by it. Does she wish she had a body sometimes? Yes. By this point in the film, she's already started to kind of like move past wanting that. Uh, she's doing it more for him than she's exactly. for herself. Although she's really into it too. And I think that's what it comes more down to. Again, when I was talking about Theo has these intimacy hangups, that's what I'm talking about. Because Samantha's totally into it. And it's yeah. Theo that's like, God, I don't like this. And I think the reason he doesn't like it is he still has 
he is kind of using Samantha as training wheels for his intimacy issues in a little bit, uh, in a, in some small way. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think that seems troubling because Theo's troubled by it because he gets super into it until he has to look that girl in the face and acknowledge that she's another person. There are three people in this room. It's not just me and Samantha. And that's something he can't reconcile. Well, I'm glad the film goes out of it. That's why I say I think the film goes out of its way to do, to, to point out the problem with that. I mean, uh, the, the surrogate is a, is a person too, right? Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't go out of its way to devalue her. At least I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel so. No, I mean, she, I, I think she are she the woman playing the surrogate articulated it well in that I think she's probably identifies as polyamorous or something because she says like, I want to be part of your life. Yeah, she's yeah. like I love both of you. I want to make this happen for you, which you know that's like that's a healthy choice that um, a person who is an adult can make, like to tr- choose a relationship that way. Um, so that's I don't get. Yeah, I agree with Dalton that any hangups I have are like his uh, like watching him struggle with his own intimacy problems, which are pretty significant. All righty. Well, that's been some interesting conversation, uh, dear co-hosts. I think we've had a really, really good time with all this, and we'd like to hear what you think about what we have said uh, so far today. And, you know, maybe you're a little... uh, uh, suggestions for our bit of gameplay and you can do that via those magical means that we all know as uh, social media. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find the Good Trash Media Network at goodtrashmedia.com You can find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodtrashmedia You can find us on Instagram at goodtrashmedia and you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gtm and if you, too, want to pick a movie for us to talk about on the Good Trash Genre cast or any of our shows, because we've also had a patron pick for the film Solbus as well, um, check, out, check out, take a closer look at that Patreon um, at uh, patreon.com slash GTM, and you, too, could choose a movie for us to watch. Unless you're Daniel Aaron Austin, in which case you already have, this is not for you. <laughs> very, very funny. Thank you for that. Hey, Dalton, is there another uh, sort of social media means by which the conversation could be held? As a matter of fact, Dustin, uh, you can. Uh, if you would like uh, to send me your personal handwritten letters, you can do that on Twitter at good underscore trash. Uh, and that's not just for the Good Trash Honorcast. That is for all of Good Trash Media. Uh, if you like any of our shows or have any questions about our content, that's, again, at good underscore trash. Excellent, excellent. Well, guys, I think we come to a time where we must render a verdict according to this film. And so we must say shelf or trash, else or instead. Let's go counterclockwise to my right. Caleb, shelf or trash, else or instead. This this absolutely belongs on your shelf. I'm actually upset that it's not on my shelf right now. Like, I'm going to go out and buy this movie because it's so damn good and it's moving. And no, I'm not just going to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and watch it because this is a heavy movie. But man, this is a movie that I, w- I will watch again one day. And, I'm, and I do want to recommend all my friends and have on hand so I can lend it to them. Uh, else, I think you, if you want to, if you want to check out, uh, take a closer look at some of uh, other films. I check out, check out Steve Jobs. If we're going to talk about Apple, uh, that movie is not perfect, but I think there's a really interesting. Uh, it's another really interesting way to understand how we've gotten to where we've gotten uh, with technology in our world um, through St- Steve Jobs and some of the ideologies that movie is presenting. I think if you want to take a darker look at uh, human AI that uh, Dalton talked a lot about, a little bit about on the show, you go check out Ex Machina and. Oh, I, I just I'm gonna sing the praises of Black Mirror. This is a show, it's a UK show that everyone should watch. Stuff. It's so damn good, but there are two episodes in particular on this subject dealing with human AI um, that you must see if you're gonna if you're interested in the subject. And it's Black Mirror, which is on Netflix right now. Uh, the episodes are both in season two, Be Right Back, 
uh, which has uh, also has Dama Hall Gleason in it, by the way. Oh, man. And uh, uh, Haley Atwell. And yeah, Haley that's Atwell. a heavy episode. It's a heavy, heavy episode. And the Christmas special featuring John Hamm and Rafe Spall, White Christmas. Holy shit, guys. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, and lastly, if you want to end on a happier note, if you want to see more great Spike Jones, that's also very reflective, Where the Wild Things Are, because that movie is so great. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? Uh, shelf it. Uh, I say else, watch Robot and Frank, uh, Ex Machina, as Caleb mentioned, and Skeleton Twins, also starring Kristen Wiig. Thank you for that. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your selections for your else or instead, if you shelf or trash the film? Oh, yeah. Easy shelf. Like, probably one of the easiest shelves I've done this year. Else, uh, else for, like, your double features or what have you, I would recommend, yes, Ex Machina came up at the front of my mind, especially whenever I was watching her and being like, is she going to try and build herself a body or get the, get, well, we'll get uh, Amy Adams' character to, like, video game, like, uh, visage for her. That, that was kind of where I thought the movie was going. Um, and it didn't go there, which is cool. I'm glad it didn't. Um, so I would also recommend that. And I'd also recommend, uh, well, all of Star Trek Voyager, but specifically the episode in which the captain, the captain, it's called uh, Fairhaven. The captain falls in love with a hologram on the holodeck. And so she has to confront the stuff about reprogramming, programming this hologram to be more of what she wants in a love interest and like the ethical dilemmas dealing with that. Um, really good episode. So uh, yeah. And then everything else, everyone else will say. Thank you for that. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Shelf or trash, elsewhere instead. Um, I think you should pair this with a, a film that came out like literally right after. I think it was the same, might have been, I mean, within a few months, and that's uh, Under the Skin, uh, also starring Scarlett Johansson, uh, which is a much darker, much uh, less conventional film that is still tackling some of these same issues about what is being human, what is the human experience, and how does that look to an outsider. Um, I would also recommend you take a deeper dive back into uh, Spike Jones's filmography and check out the uh, always amazing. Uh, uh, being John Malkovich, which is uh, <laughs> a fucking crazy so movie. Great. It's such a crazy movie, and I love it so much. Um, those were the two that immediately sprung to mind for me, though. Thank you for that, Mr. Dalton. Oh, Stewart. I did say shelf it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you assumed it. You said pair, so yes. yeah. You, you got a. Sh- this movie is fucking great. Uh, it's one of the best films uh, of the 2010 teens. There you go, and I would agree with that sentiment. I would also say shelf. I would I would shelf it alongside the other Spike Jones film I own, which is Where the Wild Things Are, which is a movie that a lot of people didn't love, but I think it's beautiful and sweet and very sad. Isn't it? Yes. I like it a lot. Um, but I like it a lot. Um, check out Blade Runner. Check out 2001. Um, check out uh, The Girlfriend Experience, starring Sasha Gray, uh, because I think it's complicated and interesting, but it's also uh, raising some uh, similar questions, and uh, especially with commercialization of relationships. So, it's the Sasha Gray film with the least amount of cum. Yes. Um, uh, well, um, yes, I guess that's correct. Uh, we're going to move on, though, because I'm turning quite red. I'm, I'm, I'm quite pleased with that joke. I'm sorry. Okay. So we're at the end of our show. We thank you so much for listening thus far, dear listener. We must now um, consult uh, our sentient life form, uh, artificially created, uh, the AB7000, uh, or 8000, or 10,000. 1700. 1700. AB1700, and uh, find out what next week's film is going to be. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Transformers, baby, come on. All 
Alrighty, and it is, if I can read this tiny little ball, it is, oh man, I, oh man, Shit. it's Roadhouse. Fuck yes! <laughs> Fuck yes, I've waited for this day for so long. Probably your entire life. <laughs> no, I, I, I watch this movie like once every three years. <laughs> it's not like for a, at least four years though. For this we've been talking about doing yeah. this film on the show. Oh my god. Uh, listener, Go ahead. you may or may not already be aware that the lead character in uh, Roadhouse is played by Patrick Swayze. You may also be aware or might not be aware that his name in that film is Dalton. Uh, I was born in the year of our Lord, 1990. This film came out in 1989. Uh, and when push came to shove, my mom did admit that I am named after Swayze's character in this movie. Uh, I, I love this film unironically. It is one of the best bad movies that's ever been made. So I can predict right now that Dalton will be positively intolerable on next week's show. It's going to be lots of fun. Pain don't hurt. Do want to uh, tune into that, take a look at her, and have a conversation because that's what makes it all worthwhile, guys. It's about the conversation. So keep watching, keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Kick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.